This is the sermon podcast of Lord of Life Lutheran Church in Columbus, Ohio, where we proclaim God's extravagant grace, radical inclusion, and relentless compassion. Join us for worship Sundays at 8 a.m., 9 a.m., or 11.15 a.m. This is Lord of Life. There is a place for you here. For more information, please visit our website at www.acceptingall.com. Good morning. The first reading is from Acts chapter 10. While Peter was still speaking, the Holy Spirit fell upon all who heard the word. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astounded that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles, for they heard them speaking in tongues and extolling God. Then Peter said, Can anyone withhold the water for baptizing these people? people who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. So he ordered them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they invited him to stay for several days. Holy wisdom, holy word. Good morning. It is great to see all of you today. I like seeing people. I'm a bit of an extrovert. So, um, one problem um, uh, I, I'm changing the text for today a bit, so what's written in your bulletin is incorrect. I'm going to be working on Acts. Um, this happened last night. All of a sudden, I decided to change it, and we can't really fix the printing. But, oh well. John has great things to say. It's true, and I will get to them in due course. It will happen, but Acts is really where I'm headed. Um, but I've spent quite some quite some time thinking about this sermon. Uh, And I've decided through uh, speaking with the confirmands last night that I was going to be more transparent. I think our church, if we wish to see it grow and if we wish to see it better, we need to learn to be a little bit more transparent with one another. So, when I lived in Minnesota, I attended a church every single Sunday and Wednesdays because we had to. Both of my parents were Sunday school teachers, and that was one of the main reasons why I went, was because they had to be there, so of course, naturally, I would have to tag along. Um, My dad says that it was when I was about five that my my life to ministry kind of began. I don't recall this, but apparently, um, I had looked at the youth pastor at the time, looked at my dad and said, I want to be like that guy. I don't recall this at all. I remember wanting to be a fireman and a police officer and a veterinarian and a whole host of other things that you could think of, including Superman. I think that's still a viable option at some point. But nevertheless, my dad, upon hearing this, for some reason decided in him to say, hmm, I'm going to focus on teaching him a little bit more about the scriptures than his older brother or his younger sister. Don't know why, but he did. So it worked out. Fast forward to eighth grade. Um, I moved halfway through that year from Minnesota to Massachusetts. Um, That was a very painful experience for me because I don't know if you guys have ever been to Massachusetts, but they're rough around the edges. That's like a good way of saying it. They're rough around the edges. Um, 
while there during eighth grade, we didn't really find a church. Um, so I kind of got involved in sort of the wrong crowd, meeting all sorts of people that weren't the right friends to have. Um, by ninth grade, I ended up meeting one friend who is still my friend today, and I'm very thankful for meeting him. But that was also when we finally found a church to attend. Because, of course, I had to get confirmed, right? I mean, we have to get confirmed at some point, apparently. So this was an LCMS church. It stands for Lutheran Church Missouri Synod. Um, and if you have never been to an LCMS church, um, they're a little bit more rigid than the ELCA. A little bit more. Whereas we are very affirming of uh, women and of the LGBTQ plus community, the LCMS church is not. Um, I grew up in Minnesota, ELCA, knowing my mother to be on council and for her to have a very large presence in the church. When we went to the, LC, the LCMS church, um, she would only be able to uh, teach Sunday school and not do anything else because that wasn't allowed. So I have been very, I'm very grateful for the fact that we had two wonderful women that have led us so far. Um, that's currently where I stand. But it was hard for me uh, looking at that church and deciding if I wanted to be confirmed, if I wanted to be an adult in that church, um, because I didn't really resonate with that, of saying that some people were okay, but others weren't. Um, so I turned to my father, who had been my spiritual kind of guide and director at that point, and I said, Dad, I don't know about this, you know, about going through with this, because it's, it's not really what I work with. And my dad just went, it's more of a formality. It's not that big of a deal. I mean, come on, just kind of go through it, go through the motions. And I was like, okay. If you say it is, who am I to judge? Um, probably not the best thing that he should have said. But, I mean, we got me through it. I ended up going through it. Um, now, because of that, you know, I was, I was confirmed through that. And it was great. It was wonderful. We didn't stay there any longer. As soon as I was confirmed, we found out that there was a young gentleman by the name of Mark Huber who graduated from Trinity Lutheran Seminary, which is a school that I'm now going to. Uh, and he was starting a new ELCA church. So we were like, hey, yes, take it. Um, my mother met him on a Saturday at worship and said, you should have church in our house. Because she's a good Lutheran like that. And she's from Minnesota. Um, it was wonderful. To have that experience of having church in your home is amazing. You know, I've always grown up in the church, but that was very different. Um, it was also very nice because once they finally got their own building on Sunday evenings, I could wear my pajamas around the house. And I didn't have to worry about just people walking in. But let me be clear. Upon getting to Massachusetts, um, I really put faith aside. I remember going through the motions of baptism with my neighbors when I lived in Minnesota. Um, it was my neighbor Isaac, myself, and my sister and we were talking about faith, I was probably 10. And he said, I don't know if I've ever been baptized. And I looked at him and I said, well, wherever two or more are gathered, Christ is here. And we have water beside us. We had a lake right there. I said, what's to stop you from being baptized? 
I remember that from being 10. I do not remember any sort of experience like that in Massachusetts. Rather, I was a little bit more uh, focused on not trying to get into fights. Um, I was worried about how I would memorize my lines for theater. And um, also my seizures came back. Um, I've had them since I was five. I had been taken off medication and I was good. They came back and I was back on medication. The only problem was this time the medication came with a severe downside and that was depression. Depression that I had already had but with medication made it worse and made it towards suicidal tendencies. Um, it, was, it was hard. When I was 16, I had tried to kill myself. Um, and in that time, I was very angry and yelling at God, saying that I didn't want God in my life because I had hurt people and because I was filled with sin. And that if God was good and if God was powerful, why then was I doing what I was doing? Why didn't God intercede? In that moment, I do not believe that God left me. But rather, what I believe is that God took a step, just a step to the side. And let me understand that God is always there, but what it would be like if God wasn't. This empty feeling opened up inside of me, this cold, dark pit of which I was frightened. I was scared. I didn't know what to do. My parents, this was at night, were home in their bedroom. My brother was on the other side of the wall of me. But I felt alone, truly alone. So I sat there and then said, I am sorry. I feel like I took it too far that time. Uh, will you forgive me? And I can only describe it as a warm golden liquid that then filled me right back up. And as if a mother or a father were to carry a small child, one hand underneath the legs, the other arm behind the back, I felt completely embraced by God in a warmth and in a heat that really just encapsulated everything. Today's gospel, I think, really attests to this experience of saying, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love. I could feel God, and I could feel God saying, I love you, Tucker. You are created in my image, and I could never not be in love with you. I'm proud of you. Then I went off to promise God my life for whatever God wanted to do. And... Um, well, that, uh, that's opened a lot of doors. Opportunity after opportunity has fallen into my lap, pointing me towards ministry. But every time that I doubt and every time that I try to push away, I'm pulled right back to this promise because as much as I don't think that I'm really tied to it, God has another plan. And it's those other plans that just really get in the way of whatever I'm thinking. Because let's face it, um, as Jesus says, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit. Fruit 
that, that will last. And so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. I mean, amen on my behalf. I mean, wow, like, I'm glad that I didn't have a say in that matter because I know I would have made the wrong decision. I would have, right then, I would have made the wrong one. So I'm really glad that Jesus got to choose that because it's, it's not just me. I mean, Jesus chose you. You who are sitting in those chairs right now, Jesus said to you, you are chosen and you are mine. And by me, you will bear fruit to be a blessing in this world. And it doesn't matter what you have done until this point in your life. Really, it doesn't matter what you did before you were even baptized and after that, because it was in our baptism that we were given that promise that we are saved, that we are fulfilled and that we are forgiven and we will be given eternal life due to that. For everyone born of God overcomes the world and we were reborn in that baptism. Now, I've referenced the gospel and the epistle by now and I told you at the very beginning that I was going for Acts. I had to lay a foundation. I'm sorry. Here we go. We got this, guys. Now, because of this, because to tell you, you know, I'm, what I'm trying to say is I'm trying to tell you that in this, in all of me feeling like I have sinned and that I have been away from God and that I've been on the other side, I truly feel like a Gentile in Acts. I feel like the person that was not supposed to get the Holy Spirit, somebody that was not supposed to have Christ say, yes, you, let's do this. Um, but apparently that once again didn't work. I heard this old joke when I lived in uh, North Carolina that said a great way to make God laugh is to say that you have a plan. And that could not be more true. I mean, wow. Every time. Now, this is, this, and this is just whenever I get angry. I mean, the Holy Spirit has chosen me to be the mouthpiece in even though all the wrong that I do. Um, and I don't know about you guys. I mean, I'm glad that none of you have seen me in a car because whenever I drive, the Massachusetts side comes out a little bit more. Whew, that's not good. It's, it's things that you shouldn't say from a pulpit. Some people say, but I won't. I'll resist the temptation. But it doesn't matter what you look like. It doesn't matter what you've done. Lest we forget that Paul killed Christians for a living before Jesus said, I want you to proclaim my gospel. Paul killed Christians and Jesus still fixed that. In the same way, Jesus himself kind of went to jail. Yeah, he, he, our faith is really kind of built off of the backs of people who just said, ah, no, which should do this way. God is saying this. But what I think for looking at our congregation, you know, living in a community, which I told confirmands the other night, this Greek word koinonia, community of love and of grace and of acceptance with Christ, I think a great way to talk about this is in the way of Rachel Held Evans. She says in her book, Searching for Sunday, Loving, Leaving, and Finding the Church. She says, at its best... The church functions more like a recovery group 
a safe place where a bunch of struggling, imperfect people come together to speak difficult truths to one another. Sometimes the truth is we have sinned as individuals. Sometimes the truth is we have sinned corporately as a people. Sometimes the truth is we're hurting because of other people's sin or as a result of forces beyond our control. But sometimes the truth is we're just hurting and we're not even sure why. Now I say all of these things to you not to bring you down but to lift you up. To tell you that we are all quite similar. We are all struggling and for you three that are becoming adults in the church, whatever that means, that you're joining us in this. And I, and I really want to make it clear to you to tell you that if you thought that we had it all together at any point or that we knew all the answers, sorry, we don't. We're kind of just figuring it out as we go. So hop aboard because it's just going to be some sort of mess going forward. But at least we got each other, right? At least we got that. Because as we might see ourselves as Gentiles, we need to remember that God poured the Spirit into them. That the Holy Spirit flowed in and bubbled through and made these people that others thought were not right, were foreign, were ostracized, were problematic. God said, no, these are my people. Even if you don't think that they are, these are my people. And I will fill them with the Spirit. Because we need to know that we are beloved children of God. And it doesn't matter how old you are, because to God we are all children. God promised to be beside you in your baptism. To help you in the teaching, in the raising you in scriptures. God stood beside you just as your parents stood beside you. Just as your godparents stood beside you. Just as this community has stood beside you. Because that's what God does. Even when we are in a bad place, even like me, when you think God is not there, it is merely that God has taken a step. That if we are in a hard time and we are angry, it could just be that God is crying. And that's why God isn't talking. It's because God is mourning. And it could be that God is rejoicing and God is singing and we are just caught up in this world and can't hear. But God is beside you and has promised to always be there. So my prayer is that we always remember that. That we remember that we are not alone, even though you may feel alone. God is standing beside you, loving you unconditionally, saying, you are my child I have loved you since the day that you were born and I will continue to love you no matter what. Amen. My name is Chris Mazzola. I am the Director of Christian Youth Education here at Lord of Life. And I have had the distinct privilege of working with our confirmation students. Um, Tucker did an awesome job and I am so proud to bring these three into our community. And when I um, read the second lesson for today, I was struck by 
I wonder if John said those things because he fully believed them or because sometimes you need to say stuff out loud so that you can fully believe it and that your community can support you and they can reflect back to you what they have heard you say. So today, when we have our confirmation students come up, I know that all of you will affirm the statements that they are making, and I'm gonna ask you to share that with a round of applause after they're done sharing their statements, because I get nervous just coming up here to do this. <laughs> so to get up there and share the personal statement of your faith is not easy, but we're proud of them, and we know that they can do it. So first today, we're going to invite David Hofler to speak. Matthew chapter 14, 27 to 32. Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You have little faith, he said. Why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. I chose this passage because I feel that my journey with faith relates to Jesus, proving his trustworthiness to his disciples, with me being one of those disciples. With Jesus and God being a part of my life, it is like a relationship. They're like really good friends, always supportive and always there. But like all friendships, they are tested at one point. With my father's passing, my relationship with God was tested. The environment around me became unfamiliar, and it felt like everything was changing, including my faith. But God didn't change. I did. God never stopped loving me or supporting me. God didn't forget me. I forgot him. Like Peter sinking in the water, he forgot his faith, and when he was about to drown, he called out to Jesus and immediately brought, was brought back, restoring his faith. Now, does it, now, this didn't quite happen to me, but when I felt that nothing would ever get better, I reached out. I went to church, and I felt God's love through the congregation, and I realized what God can do. Once I got back on my feet and wasn't sad all the time, just like Peter, the wind died down, and things started to turn up. Today, now with my faith, I know that God and Jesus will always love me, and that is what keeps the bond between us strong. So let God show his love through you, so when people forget God, they can be reminded of what he can do. Whew. That one. Done. One done, right? Breathing easy again. Okay. Very good. Next, we're going to welcome, as I call him, Jimmy, but James Mobley. I am James Edward Mobley III, born on January 3, 2004. I'm the youngest child to Jim and Joe Mobley, and the younger brother to Leah Mobley, who also went through affirmation four years ago here at Lord of Life. Leah is about to graduate and go to college at Ohio University. I was baptized July 8, 2004. Two years ago, when I was 12, my parents enrolled me in affirmation classes. I did not want to go to the classes, but I did because I had to. Affirmation has helped me get in touch with God and opened my life to God. It lets me know there's always someone I can talk to, and that is why I pray every night. These classes have taught me about Jesus and how much he sacrificed for us. For example, Jesus died on the cross to forgive us of all our sins. I am now 14, and this, is, this is, thought is big and complicated to me. The two big influences I have through my life for journey with God are my grandfather's. My grandfather, Jim, gave me a bracelet that has the Lord's Prayer engraved on it. I read this inscription often. It has a meaningful gift I appreciate a lot. My grandfather, Larry, attends a small church in Brownsville, Ohio. Sometimes he takes me to church with him. Um, he would let me ring the church bell, um, a very big church bell with real long rope. 
I think the bell weighs more than I do. Because of affirmation, I know the trust in God. I continue to pray to pray into the unknown challenges ahead, and um, and I will help them take care of them. Uh, this is a comforting thought. This lets me know that there is someone who loves and that I can talk to that is watching out for me. I really thank my mom and dad for enrolling me in this class years ago. I think it will help me throughout life's challenges. You did it. You did it. Good job. Okay, and last, our third confirmand is Jordan or Jay Passarella. My belief in Jesus Christ is important to me because of what I have learned about what Jesus has, has done in his life for, all, for us all. I, I remember when I first realized that Jesus helped everyone, even those who despised and hated him, just to be kind. It, it made me realize that is how I should try to live my life. Jesus lived his life helping others, and, and I feel that I should try to live my life in a way that, that, that makes him happy, helping others. At, after all, you never know what a person is going through. My belief in God in, encourages me to be a better person. At home, it is important for me to find ways that I could be there for my family. At school, I try to be kind to my teachers and friends to hopefully make their day a little better. It, it matters to me when I am in the community and I see those who struggle from a disability may not have enough to eat or maybe there's just a little, some trash on the ground. There, the, there is a desire to do my part to, to make things better and to share my blessings. It is important for me to live my life in a way God intends me to. God wants me to be happy and gives me the strength to walk my own path through life. God, God's example of his love for all people r- reminds me of reminds me to always take time to see others and what I can do to help. A, a Bible verse that reminds me of how Jesus lived his life is 1 John 4.19. We love, we love because he first loved us. We are following in God's footsteps. His love and sacri- sacrifice for us all keeps me focused. 